Episode 280, The Rant, Matab and Nav Singh. Same last name, brothers from another mother. We took it back to the old school as Tab and Nav both chop it up with me on The Rant. In this pod, they discuss what they've both been up to during the pandemic, what they've both been up to since graduating Hofstra University, and their memories playing basketball with and against me. All that and more, my conversation with Nav and Tab now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super, well, two super special guests that uh, from the old school that I used to play at Hofstra University. My like, I guess it was like my third iteration of playing basketball. But um, two, two lovely young men that I've seen grow up um, over time. Uh, first, I'll start with uh, Big Daddy Nav, Nav Singh uh, from SABL fame. And then, of course, we used to play at the rec center when you uh, first started going to Hofstra University. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having us. And my boy, um, I don't know. I don't even know where to start, man. But I- I've seen this young man grow to to be a, a pleasant young man, somebody that I-, I truly and deeply admire and respect, Mr. Matab Singh. How are you, my friend? Good, man. Thank you for having us, Rob. Man, we had, we had a lot of basketball games and a lot mm-hmm. of glory and... And Nav, you have been on the the brunt of uh, us winning all the time, but sometimes you were on the team. So listen, man, welcome to to both of y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for having us, well. man. So what brings you out here? I know Nav is, uh, we're going to be neighbors soon, but I, I know you live in D.C. or Virginia or Pennsylvania or not New York. Yeah. What brings you around these parts? Well, I mean, before COVID, I was in Virginia because I was working down in D.C. So now I'm back in Pennsylvania. And so I'm working from home. And it's like, yo, it's been a while since I saw my friends. You know what I mean? I mean, I've what's been like a year. Mm-hmm. And then I recently got engaged, got to get shopping done for wedding. And so I uh, was in New Jersey, my girl's birthday on the 24th. So we hung out and then I was just like, you know what? It's a small little drive. Let's go down. I'm going to go down and see uh, Nub and, and the friends. And so, um, and then I hit you up. I was like, yo, we're in town. I know we've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. Um, Nub's going to be with me. Let's just, let's figure something out. Yeah, well, I mean, we're here. We're live. And um, congratulations to your engagement. That's a big step, man. And I know um, that's going to be something, you know, really good. You know, I always thought 
especially during around this time. And we'll get to my coronavirus questions. But just as it stands right now, I always looked at both of you as people that were already wizened. And what I mean by that is you're already well beyond your years. You know, and I think somebody that has watched from afar, the Indian American community, you guys, just like Filipinos, you're very family oriented, right? You guys stick to each other. Um, but both of you guys are in your 20s still. What's it like dealing with the coronavirus day in and day out being in your 20s? I'll start with you, Nav. Uh, it took a toll on us, man, to be honest with you. 2020 was supposed to be the year of changes and be the year for us. And it really went the opposite way. So starting off, like 2020, I was supposed to, you know, I had really big goals. I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. And unfortunately, the gym shut down. Uh, you know, other than the gym, like businesses are being affected, you know, and it's terrible. So it's been taking a big toll on everybody, not just like, you know, the Indian community. Mm -hmm. Overall, it's been hitting everyone. Yeah. So it's not been the year, but, you know, we got to make the best out of it. 2021 is around the corner and uh, we just got to hope for the best. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so happy to see you. First and foremost, I think about every week I would always see you at SABL. And it was like, man. that was my time to, you know, catch up. And yeah. you know what, you know what it is over there. It's like a family atmosphere. Family. We all love each other, exactly. even though we talk a lot of nonsense, but yeah. you know, it was, it was a way that I still connected with the basketball community, specifically right. the South Asian basketball league. And I know you guys are always trying to get me to play, but yeah, yeah. you know, I miss those times. And I think yeah. about how long ago that was. Yeah. I'll go back to you, Tab. Um, what's it like experiencing the coronavirus in your 20s? And, and I remember we had this conversation early on and I was already like hip to what was happening. And I told you at that time, like, I think we're going to be knocked out for a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, when I first heard about it, I was in D.C. and I just started a new job and it was different. It's like, you know, it's this virus going around around. When you're young, you don't really pay too much mind into it because you're just like, all right, I have a good immune system, you know, stuff like this is not really going to affect me. But when you see all those cases, I mean, you guys are here in the basically the cent center of it all in New York. Right. You know, you guys, people were getting sick, we're in hospitals. You see deaths going crazy. Essential workers, you know, the nurses and, and, and you know, they're wearing their face masks, their eyes are shot. Yep. Like it was crazy to just to see how big this actually was. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it, what life is going to be like. I feel like post um, post uh, coronavirus, I don't even know what normal is going to be like. You know, I see people wearing masks for the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. These vaccines out. I mean, I don't know how much with the ma uh, the misinformation that's out there or the, the the distrust because of our president. You know, like oh, don't take the vaccine or you know, it's not good for you. I mean, right. Mike Pence just took it, but um, it's just so much going around and and. And I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like after after COVID. Yeah, I was thinking about just my life in general. So I was around your age around uh, almost 15 years ago. And I think about all the beats that I went through of just what I did. And of course, I don't think we could do anything that we used to normally do. Right. Not so like to me, this is like a, a, a small slice of happiness that I get to see some of my brothers that I've spent a lot of time with. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that I find solace in that the only thing constant in this world is change. Right. Mm -hmm. So you might not live where you're always going to live, where you used to live. Um, you know, things things just constantly change. So, you know, I'm never surprised and especially just experiencing 2020. I think there's just been I mean, if you start. No, it's one, one thing I wanted to add, though, is um, with the covid, I've actually gotten closer with certain people because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. when covid wasn't there, life was just all 
hustle and bustle. You know, you're running around. around. You don't have time to make it for people. You don't have time to have conversations. I think I've had the most, like, thought-provoking conversations in this past year. Mm -hmm. It's about life. You know, and you said we're in our 20s, so a lot of times we didn't, we we don't have these type of conversations, but me, Nub, Devinder, a lot of our friends and stuff like that, the conversations were so deep, you know what I mean? Right. It's just one of those things that it, it helped kind of um, help us grow up a little quicker. I mean, so. COVID had its pros and cons, to be honest, if you think about it. Uh, when it first started, you know, you had all this time in the world because, yeah. you know, basically the whole world was shut down. You had time to, you know repair friendships, read books. You were home. You had nothing to do. Mm. So I, I kind of feel like it also gave us a chance to repair relationships that were not broken per se, but I think relationships that needed time, a bond to be repaired, you had a chance to repair it. So, I mean, it has its pros and cons, a lot of deaths, a lot of sickness, and not a lot of diseases going around, you know? But getting back to what you said, you know, it, it definitely repaired uh, friendships, you know? Yeah. Definitely. You you looked at Tab as if y'all had beef or something. You cooked them. Nah. I cooked them in basketball court. Nah, nah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he wishes. Yeah. Well, I, I, like I was saying before, you know, January first, you can think. I mean, day one, David Stern died. At the end of that month, Kobe Bryant Kobe died. Bryant. Oh yeah. That's right. So we already me. started off with grand slams of like, oh man, this is this is really bad. Well, it'll get better, and then. This whole coronavirus thing just changed everything, man. And, you know, on behalf of all three of us, we're going to implore everyone in my audience to make sure that you stay safe, stay, stay sanitized, make sure you stay socially distant, mm -hmm. do whatever you can. I know it's you know really weird. I want to go back to those early moments. And I'll start with you, Tab. Um, you know, you're starting a new job. When was the moment that you took all this real serious? And, and how are you holding up and how's your family holding up? Well, I mean, I'm contracted out to work for the government. So stuff like this, we get inf information all the time and emails and stuff like that. So um, my work was one of the first places to close down simply because the government's like, all right, we're not doing this. Nobody's coming in. And we, uh, I went home. And before that, you know, I wasn't with my parents. I moved to Virginia by myself to be on my own. And then I'm like, wow, it's been only a couple of months now. Now I'm going back home because I wanted to save some money. And um, my parents, my dad got very sick, very sick. Yeah, coronavirus? No, unfortunately, he did. I mean, he didn't, so which is good. Um, he just had pneumonia. And, and what happened was, you know, at that time, regardless of even if you have the small little flu, everything you're thinking is like, okay, he probably has, the person has COVID. Mm -hmm. So we isolated him. Um, and, but the thing is, we got closer because of that. So it was like, um, you know, we had deeper conversations. I told him about the marriage. I told him everything. And it was just like, okay, cool. Like, I'm a lot closer to my parents now than I uh, right. uh, initially was. And you were close from jump, too. So it wasn't even a thing where now, no, you were What would you say? You were closer to, you were already close to your parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was definitely closer to my yeah. parents. But now it's more like, you know, the conversations you're having, because my dad wasn't going to work. Right. He was a truck driver, right? So he's staying home, having conversations. But it's, it's different. You know, the, the, the dynamics between a dad and son when he's in his 20s compared to when he's in his 18, 50, you know, in his teens is different. You know, now, now it's like he's seeing a grown man talk to him and, and then you kind of have to let him know that, okay, now I'm, I'm a grown person now, right? It's, it's a different conversation. Mm. So that dynamic is it, just unique to see, but yeah, it was good. I mean, family's cool. Everyone's cool. And just got closer. What was that moment that you took all of this like real serious? I, I know what it was. It was the Thunder Jazz, wasn't it? 
Uh, what go back? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yo, listen. The one thing I thought that was gonna keep me sane was the basketball season, and then when I heard that, and then everything was all whacked out. Um, I took it seriously. I took COVID seriously um, after um, one of our friends, his his uncle died, and this uncle was very prominent in the Sikh community. If he was the per- first person you go to rallies, um, uh, he was always helping people out, and he got it. He got admitted to the hospital. He passed away. My dad knew him. His dad knows him. He's a very prominent person. Very well-known person. And the most, honestly, genuinely good person you ever meet. And when that happened, you know, my dad kind of freaked out and everyone freaked out. Then I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is serious. You know what I mean? Um, If it's not serious for us, it's definitely serious for our our parents, people of their age. And I'll go to you, Nav. Um, How are you holding up? How's your family holding up? And when was that moment that you took all this real serious? Uh, thank God, man. My family's been good. Uh, trying to stay safe, practice social distancing. Um, when I took, I actually took it very serious when the Utah, ja- what was it? The Utah Jazz. Who was who were they playing? They were playing the Jazz. Uh, I'm sorry, they were playing the Thunder. Thunder, yeah, right? Thunder. So me and Matthew were at the gym, uh, in Long Island, and on TV we saw, you know, while working out we saw the game being canceled, and we looked at our phone. Our Bleacher Report is going crazy. You know, Yahoo. Everything is going crazy. The news are going crazy. NBA, uh, you know, the league is getting shut down. And that's when we were like, holy shit, this is going out of control, you know? We didn't expect it to go out of control. So since that day, we were like, nah, we're not coming back to the gym, man. This is getting fucking crazy. Yeah, man. It got real crazy real quick. And like I said, I can't wait for that time when um, we're back at RFK Stadium. But now I think about it, man. That place was super dirty, man. Yeah, it was. I don't even it know if we dusty, could. It was dusty, man. Yeah, yeah. The floors were dusty. It was, it was getting out of control. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I'll stay with you. What do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? Um, I learned a lot, you know, uh, throughout the process. At first, I was really frustrated. And then over time, I got very patient. I learned how to build, uh, you know, how to how to be patient with certain things. At first, I was very jumpy. I was like, come on, man. This really had to happen now. It's 2020, you know. It's a year of big things. You know, I had a lot of things planned. And I was like, damn, now this is this is really bad, you know. So then over time, I realized that I, I have to start being patient. So, I, you know, I started doing a lot more research. I started reading more. You know, I started doing other things. Like I said, COVID wasn't. COVID doesn't only have cons. It had pros too. You know, I started doing more things, started learning that, you know, you really have to be patient throughout the process. So that's definitely what I learned about myself. What about you, Tad? What do you think you learned about yourself there in the age of coronavirus? Well, there's this thing, like usually when I go through some issues, there's certain, like, let's say now COVID, right? Um, I don't let it get to me too much because I'm like, okay, I'm not the only person that's going through this. The whole world is going through this. You know, it's out of my control. So something that's out of my control, I try not to put too much thought into it, right? Yeah, you want to keep safe and stuff like that. But I didn't really let it let it affect my daily life in in that sense. Obviously, gyms are closed and stuff like that. I always find something else to do. If I, I like to write, um, I read, I write. Um, but I didn't really let it get to me. I know psychologically it got to a lot of people. But for me, I've always been, you know, growing up in central Pennsylvania, um, I, the, all my friends are in New York. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a lone body, basically a homebody. You know, after I'm work, I'm just chilling, watching TV by myself. Like, you know, I was just one of those things that just enhanced those things I was already doing. So another thing I learned, Ralph, throughout the process was to, you know, value the relationships that you have around you. You know, we take them for granted. 
at first, you know, before COVID, we were always busy with our lives, always using our phones, always on internet, social media. You know, we always get distracted from true value. True value mean like friendships, family members, and the bonds that you have. So we take those things for granted. And over time during COVID, when I saw people pass away, when I saw people getting sick, you know, I realized, you know, we really take these things for granted. And we realize like the value of a person when they die. And we got to wake up, man. Social media is a very big factor that distracts us from, you know, understanding the value of a person. You know, technology nowadays is advancing. And I feel like it's destroying us day by day. It has its pros and cons. Everything has their pros and cons. But throughout the process, I've really learned, like, we should really value each other as friends and family, uh, you know. And that's what I really... You just got to be better prepared, man. Yeah. Stuff like this, like... In in the United States, I've noticed, like, I've had the chance to travel, but I feel like the United States is the one country where un, 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 until something very destructive happens, right. people do not pay attention. Like, right. ignorance, it, until it, like, slaps them in the face, like, 9-11 happened and everyone freaked out. We go gun blazing, right? And with COVID, you know, it, it, it got crazy and, like, people still to this day don't want to wear masks, but right. whatever. But, like, here, it just, once it hits them in the face, like, it's like, boom. Like, now it's like... You know, um, like freaking out. You know, and you would think that America, United States, would set the standard for certain things. But what this has helped me realize is how backwards we do things here in the United States compared to other nations that really genuinely care about its people. Here, we have so diversity is beautiful, but because of um, diversity, diverse thoughts and diversity, really also people are kind of looking out for themselves, kind of right there and their immediate groups. And they don't give a damn, like, who's going what, what's happening to other people. In America, it's not really a collect, there's not a collectiveness here that we genuinely care about, not just ourselves, but other people that are around us. And so it just sucks, but, um, you know, United States, if it's the greatest country in the world, now we're great in everything. What, are we great in the coronavirus? We have the most cases like, in, in the world, I mean, compared to other countries that have billions of people. You know, like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Guys are talking super deep. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, Tab, I, I know that when I first met you, I was in my early 30s and you were in your, I think you were still a teenager, right? You were in yeah. 18? Um, 19. I, I think I was probably scary by the intensity in which I live because I've always gave you, like, I know where I had that little facade when we played basketball, but you know, when you met me, I was a very introspective person. We always talked about things that were deep, that were probably I mean, a lot I, deeper. I mean, the thing is, when I was in Pennsylvania, I didn't have a lot of friends like that. If it, if I had friends, it was, you know, I grew up around rednecks and stuff like that. It was through basketball, the few friends that I had. But back then, you know, every year I kept getting cut from the team just because, you know, the coaches probably said, you know, look at this kid. He's probably going to be he's pretty whack, whatever. I made it one year. Um, but until I went off to Hofstra, I still had that competitive nature because I used to love playing, man. That, the basketball has kept me away from a lot of bad things but also, like, helped me sharpen my mind and helped me prioritize, really. You know, and I remember I went there, and and you can tell people that are older than you, I've always gravitated towards people that are older than me because older people, if if they know that you need, they, uh, you need someone, they'll pull you in. And maybe you saw something 
in me, right? I don't know what it was because a lot of people back then, right? Me neither. <laughs> back the basketball then, courts were crazy, crazy, bro. bro. We no. would have to wait hours to get a game. I didn't have to wait nothing. I didn't have to wait. <laughs> yeah, you guys I didn't have to wait because you guys were super team, you know, making crazy. Let's, let's backtrack we'll before. Talk, we'll yeah. talk about super teams yeah. later because if you looked at us on, if from from my perspective and you never saw you know, if you never went to Hofstra, you'd be like, okay, those guys are the five, probably the worst players in the rec. Mm-hmm. If you see, but we'll talk about that soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I'm just happy, man. Like, you pull me in, you know, you brought me in. And I tell um, Nub this, Devinda, how many times I've told, like, if I have a few role models in my life that have really helped me, I mean, you're definitely one of them. Like, So, like, you're like an older, you're more than an older brother to me. You're family. Family, You get yeah. what I'm saying? So, You've you've looked out for me. You've you've cared for me, and and just give me a chance to shine. Even though it's just rec basketball, but that's that spotlight that you put on me allowed me to grow into the person I am today. So yeah, I, I got a couple of thoughts of what I was saying. You know, I wish you guys were here yesterday because my seven year old was here. And when you were talking about how you got closer to your to your father, and you were having different conversations because you're in your twenties, I think from day one. Now my son was born when when I met around the same time that I met you guys. So from day one, I've always treated him like an adult. Who, Mason? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's, he's a G. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You've seen him kid. on the court. He's, Cute kid, man. he's a wild boy. I remember one time we was at SABL, and he was just running around, and he was on the court. The other ref was like, he stopped the game. I don't know if you were playing that game, but he was like, he was like, whose child is this? And I was like, that's my son. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he's a firecracker. But, you know, back to Nob, man, I, I truly, I'm so happy that you have learned, even though it was forced, you, you learn patience because to me, that is really the missing ingredient, especially when you're so young, you don't understand. I remember I have this like distinct memory. And, and since we're doing this during the holidays, I remember in sixth grade, I wanted Sega Genesis so bad. And it came out already. And I was, my parents were like, you got to wait for Christmas. If you, if you get good grades and you can get it. And I just remember how long from December 1st to December 24th was. Right. But as you see, your freshman year to your senior year was fast. Yeah. Being an adult after that as a young professional is faster. Yeah, definitely. You getting married, oh, it's going to be even faster. Yeah. And the fastest is my son is already seven years old. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that you get patient, it's not even that you get patient. You just stop thinking about things you can't control. Right. Christmas will come. Right. I think about college just like it was yesterday, but it's been four years. Right. It's been almost yeah. I remember five that. Years. I remember that day you left. We went to the boardwalk. I, re- I remember that day you know? when you left. You, I was like one of the last people that you saw. But let's go back to you know what, how you, what you played growing up, uh, and let's go with uh, Nav. What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school, and in college? So middle school, I played basketball. Um, I played CYO basketball when I was young. Um, I had a coach who was my role model. He was very, very harsh on us. You grew up in Queens, right? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Ozone Park. Okay. So I had a basketball coach. He you passed- look like you grew up in Ozone Park. <laughs> he passed away uh, during my first year that I started playing. We actually started building a bond together. And, you know, he was pushing me to my limits that I've never reached before. I was just a chubby kid that played center, you know, big kid. And he would always push me, make me do extra laps. And I was like, coach, come on, man. This is this is getting out of hand. Why are you picking on me? And he's like, listen, the reason why I'm picking on you is because I want you to shine. I want you to grow every single day. If you're doing five laps today, I want you to do seven tomorrow. If you're doing seven tomorrow, I want you to ten the next day. So during during middle school, I, I, I played basketball. In high school, I played basketball. And then when we got to college, I also played ball. 
with you guys in the rec, you know, give you guys the work and the post. Uh, that's, that's a conversation for another day. But uh, I've always played basketball, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> basketball has been, uh, it, it plays a big part in my life. I'm not even going to look at you because that was an incredulous statement. I'll go to, to you, Tab. Um, Stop it, Tab. Stop it, Rob. What, what did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school, and in college? Well, um, growing up, I first of all, I just want to say I, I didn't care for basketball like that. Like soccer, I played soccer. The basketball was just in whatever, you know. But it's crazy because when you're playing soccer and you see the stadiums aren't filled, you're like, dang, like, am I playing the right sport? Like, you kind of have that thing where you're just like, yo, you want people to watch you, right? Yeah. You go to basketball games Friday, the whole town's there. I mean, I'm from yeah. Carlisle, Pennsylvania. It's like 30,000 30, people. Everyone was in the stadium watching people play basketball. I'm like, am I playing the right sport? And like I said, I had a hard time making friends because I'm, I stuck out like a sore thumb. You know what I mean? So um, I was like, you know, let's just try this basketball thing. So I started playing, and then in middle school, like, I was pretty good. I'm spending hours and hours and hours at the Y trying to get good. You know, I played in the middle school's team. And then high school came around. You know, hoping that a growth spurts hit, but it really didn't. Um, just because you didn't drink milk enough, man. Yeah, Mom always told me to drink milk. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I got cut year after year. And then the one year I was going to make it, my mom got sick. Um, she had like uh, kidneys. She had stones in her all, all, uh, uterus and stuff. It was crazy. So then I started working at Kohl's because I had to help the family. And then I didn't really think about basketball until I went off to Hofstra. And I, there I was like, okay, if I'm going to make friends, I'm just going to record. Maybe I might make some friends. Yeah. And I go by myself. You know, I think we met later, but I was the only one ever in the gym at 10 p.m. Me and a kid named Devin Martin, mm -hmm. uh, Dev J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Me and him, because we were super awkward socially. Yeah, he was <laughs> super awkward. I remember that. <laughs> so mad awkward. Dev is so awkward. Yeah, right? But Good I love kid, him. Though. I love yeah, him. We used to throw up shots, and then Darius would wake me up at 6 in the morning. See, us three, you could tell, but all three of us are awkward as hell, socially, mad weird. But wake me up at 6 a.m., let's go put up some shots. And I want to set the scene. Um, let's, let's go back to 2011. So um, I'll tell you that I haven't been playing basketball for the longest time. And there was always, like, these bits and pieces of when I played. So freshman year of college, I didn't play. Because by then, I was playing basketball all my life, and I just needed a break. Sophomore year, for some reason, somebody dragged me into the wreck, and it wasn't like the way we remembered it, right? It was all like all these half-court games, and they were competitive, right? Mm -hmm. But it was the same thing. You'd have to wait all this time. You'd play with people that you don't really – and you know how it is with the chemistry thing. If you're playing with people that you don't really like and they don't pass you the ball, it could really rub you the wrong way. Junior year, I didn't play at all. Senior year, I didn't play at all. My first year of grad school, I didn't play at all. Second year of grad school, somebody found out when I was at the computer center, they were like, yo, he used to play in high school. What high school did you go to? I went to Kellenberg. Oh, you should come to the rec. And they kind of bamboozled me to play. That's when I met Dan. And oh, at the Graves. time, he was like a 15-year-old. Yeah. And um, it was like really competitive games. It was really competitive. So I played for about a good year, and then I broke my ankle, and I stopped completely for the longest time. And then I want to say around 2011, my mom passed away. And that whole year, I was really lost. Um, and that same year I went back to Kellenberg to coach volleyball and we lost the championship game after being undefeated the whole season. And I was so devastated. And for some reason, I don't know what it was, but it made me gravitate towards going to the rec center to shoot. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe that Dan Graves was there. 
And we started striking up a conversation. He was like, there's a good run here. I was like, mm. when hasn't he been, been there? I, all my, all, <laughs> I, him, his dad is always in there. Yeah. yeah. So, no. so um, he's like, you should, you should play. And um, that started me getting like the, the fire to play again, because now he was older and it was somebody that, you know, at the time I was kind of reluctant to play because I think once you get one of those crazy injuries, especially when you were playing like me, like I was dunking. So if you can think about, and I know that sounds really crazy, but I was I was a scorer, and I think I lost a lot of confidence because I didn't want to get hurt like that again. Because I used to play like kind of like Russell Westbrook, like just didn't care about reckless. anything, like super reckless. So I just remember like in the beginning, I just was like really really scared to play. But I found solace in Dan because I know he always wanted to shoot, and he yeah. could shoot. So yeah. I just kept giving him the ball. Now yeah. the next shooter drop, I'd say around. March. Now it's March. So I'm, I've been there four months. I've been, you know, playing. We've been doing half-court games. And, you know, I'm still not who I am at that time. There's this kid. It's like this heavy set kid. Steve. He comes in. Steve. And he yeah. shoots with two hands. He just, like, launches from 40. I'm like, what the hell was that? The greatest this shooter This guy of all was the time. greatest shooter in the so, record. So Dan is like, yeah, that kid can shoot. I'm like, he can't shoot. He don't look like he can play. And then he shot another one in my face. So I went up to him. Then he started posting me up. And he was a big body. Yeah. Spun. Shot with the left hand. I was like, okay, well, that summer. So now we're talking about summer 2012. So it was before you were on campus. All the law, law school kids um, were like getting ready for the bar. They just graduated and they were there all the time. This kid named Blake, this other kid, um, this kid named Rob. They were, all these kids were amazing athletes. Blake and, had that like long hair, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing them for some reason yeah. when I was there. So the other shooter drop was the football team. They ceased to exist. All those kids had the opportunity to either get another scholarship and transfer or they could stay. Well, a lot of them ended up staying. Case in point, Steve, Steve Medard. Oh, my God. Who would come. Big body, man. So oh, think man. about it was me, um, Dan, Steve, because Steve was in the law school, all the other law stu students and the football players. So we would all play and we would mix and match. And it was all these crazy competitive games. And I remember at that time, I was not ready to play full court because that wasn't the philosophy at house university. There's like six courts. Everyone wants to play. Right. And it would never be a situation where we play full. Well, we played full and we mixed and matched and it was the most incredible competition that I've ever had in my life. So I remember there was this one game and this was towards like August now. So maybe a month before I met you, I did this. It, it was me, Steve and Dan. And we didn't, we didn't know that this would happen. I gave, I gave Steve this crazy cross court, Pass all the way to the baseline, and he made the shot. Then there was this one time I faked to Steve and gave it to Dan. He scored. So after the game, we both, like, we all looked at each other. was like, I think we should, like, stick together and, like, just keep doing this. Yeah, yeah, you got the IQ. Because all the law school kids left, and the football players kind of stayed. But um, that's when I remember there was this one day. It was after a uh, volleyball tournament that I had. It was on a Saturday, and this was in September. So probably, like, right after Labor Day, I remember I went in there and that was the first time I met Will and Darius and they were yeah. talking nonsense. I, and I was just shooting around. They were like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to run this school. I was like, man, wait till you see my team. Yeah. So at the time we didn't really form anything, but I do remember, I think it was like right before Labor Day, we played, uh, my boy Phil came. He was a tall black guy. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, he came. But um, 
That was the first time I saw Tab. And I remember Tab was just like scoring on us. Like, what is, what is this little neck? With those lefty floaters. This little neck doing. before Christmas break? Was it, was it September? A Labor Day? It was, it was before Labor Day. Um, okay. But then I think, I don't know when I approached you, but. Yeah. I think I, at that point, we were just at Hofstra. <laughs> like, we just yeah. got there. Let's talk about your first experience when you saw me and Dan and Steve. Well, I remember, I think the first time you guys approached me, I was playing with some random guys. Like, I think it was Maz and um, uh, Steven, the skinny guy, skinny thin guy, Steven, uh, RJ. Yeah, RJ. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I wasn't really close with Darius and Will and them. They had their own crew, right? Darius, Will, Dustin. So they're, they're, And no one would pick me up. I remember the first time I went to the rec, they're playing, they needed one person to play five on five. And Keith and them would not pick me up. I'm like, yo, I'm right here if you guys need another one. And they're like, all right, fine, whatever. Give this kid a chance. I think it was um, uh, jo- uh, Joel. No, not Joel. What's his name? Uh, he used to play lacrosse, too. I forgot his name now. But um, he's like, yo, come on in. And I had to guard Keys. And I, because I, every game I play, it's not like I'm going there to fool around. I stripped him like three times in a row. Like, just pickpocketed him. And now at this point, he's pissed. Like, he's like, who the fuck is this kid? Like, what is he doing? You know, and then after that, whatever. And then we played against a guy. Remember Dan, like six, seven, white guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Steinberg. Yeah. So we played against him and we're just passing the ball around. Like I, I hit somebody in the corner when I should have took the jump shot. Um, and um, he made it and we beat them. Like just random guys beat this kid that's on the damn basketball team. After that, you came up to me. He's like, yo, yo, this is Ralph. Yo, Tab, nice to meet you. He's like, yo, I want you to start playing with us. And it was not even, it was no conversation. It was just like, yo, I want you to play with us. I was like, sure. He's like, don't worry about it. Like, we're, you know, if you need me to pick you up um, by your dorm or whatever, we'll go every Friday. Let's try to form a team. And let's play together. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I was like, you got these older dudes trying to approach you. You feel a little, you feel welcome. And then we started playing. And I remember the first time around um, where the, it was me, you, Dan, Craig, I believe it was Craig, and Steve. And if anybody, you know how people are out upstairs are running around? If they looked at us, they're like, who the hell? You got a, a fucking Filipino, a kid with the turban on, this heavy set Steve. You got this guy that can't stop running, Craig, you know? Um, and then you got Dan who shoots from behind his head. Like, this, there's no way to hell. But we could not lose. And everyone knew their role. And I was never a shooter. But the thing is, when somebody gives you the confidence, even Rondo was just saying that, right? He's never shot in his life until he went to the Lakers. He's like, yo, people shooting three for 17. Let me take five threes and let's see what I can do with that, right? I mean, you, you just kept looking at me like, yo, Tab, they're doubling Steve. You know, Dan Dan is is, is covered too. You're going to have to shoot. And I, I don't know where I found it because I, I couldn't miss a couple games. I was just shooting, shooting, shooting. But it was more than that, though. It was the... The defining the seams and, and knowing that somebody knows when you're running, like you had the ball in your hand. I know I'd have to uh, like linger around. If Steve has the ball, you're getting it next. I'm already on the other side of the court. So some of the passes you were throwing, like, like I remember launching them 90, launching feet. Them 90 yeah. feet. And I'm, I'm like catching everything over my shoulder, layup, over my shoulder, layup. But there was this one crazy pass. I think I'll never forget. He gave uh, <laughs> uh, Ralph got the ball. He threw that the whole court with backspin on it. So he threw it like this, like this. As he did that, I was like, this ball is going to go out of bounds. I'm not going to be able to catch it. And, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty quick. I'm like fast as hell. Yeah. So he threw that 
and right before it hits the line, that ball spun backwards into my arm. And I didn't, have not, I didn't even know what to do with it. Yeah. And I was already underneath there. I'm like, what am I doing? And I was like, okay, might as well just shoot a layup now, right? And because I, I stopped. I was like, oh my goodness. How did I, this ball get through these many people with that much backspin <laughs> on it? I put that shit up and I just looked at them. But the thing is, everyone else didn't expect it. But I'm just like, okay. You know, I didn't go up, yo, oh, that was crazy, this business. Because, like, we got to the point where he knew all my tendencies. I taught him some Punjabi. I'd be like, under chal, you know? Like, go in. Go you in. know? Like, fake the pass, go in. You know, bar chal. Um, um, edra. Like, he was, he was learning Punjabi. You yeah. know? So, we had that shit, too. Like, it was crazy. People could... If I tell you this, man, so many people got so aggravated. I remember people trying to fight us. Because they you may fight me, huh? You yeah. may fight people me. wanted to fight Ralph, like, <laughs> no, tomorrow. He would, Ralph would get into everybody's no, heads. No, no, yeah, yeah. Ralph was, you know, people wanted, I wanted to fight Ralph. I wanted to fight Ralph. And yeah. he was on my team half the my, time. My favorite, my favorite is when, when Tad, somebody like Tad, who never wanted the smoke, yeah. I wanted all the smoke. I don't kick because I'll tell you one thing about me is that I like to divert the attention off the people that are really making a difference, even though I'm the one that's the biggest difference maker. So it's like a, it's like a weird thing. But I'll never forget that there's been so many times when when you would try to explain to somebody, no, Ralph's a good guy. They're like, how? <laughs> like, yeah. how was how that possible? This guy's the worst guy ever. And it's like, both of you are right. Yeah. Both nah, of you are right. The first time I met you, you said the most racist thing I've heard in my life. But then I'm just like, okay. Did I call you Aladdin? Yeah, I forgot what you I think said. I called you Aladdin. I, said, I think you said, yo, you didn't come on your carpet today? I was like, oh my God. This <laughs> oh yeah, he fuck. said the same thing to me Bro, too. I was like, I wait, who is this motherfucker? Do you remember the first time that you uh, saw me play? Yeah, so. Uh, he said that and I was just like, okay. But then I was like, okay, he's, he's like this with everyone. That's just him psychologically defeating the person before yeah. even stepping on the court. And, and I didn't even care because I just want to keep playing. Because the thing is, if you lose... You're waiting like four games. I know. It's not in the, It's not like... I mean, I don't know, but I, I do know. <laughs> I mean, no, we used to keep... Uh, Craig, it's funny. He used to keep an Excel spreadsheet. You know this? I don't know if he told you I, this. Yeah, I've seen I had it. an Excel spreadsheet of the days we won in a row. And I'm like, Craig, what are you doing? He's like, oh, no, I'm just putting in that we won today. You know, how many games we won today? Just reach out to him to see what that Excel spreadsheet. But yeah. now, nah, what was the first time that you saw me play? And how much of a mind bend was it for you? So this was around uh, September 2012. I just want to remind you, rec ball was ridiculous. People may say, oh, it's rec ball. What are you guys talking about? But Hofstra rec ball was on another planet. Like, I'm telling you, we would just get physical with each other. Like, I would walk out with bruises. I would walk out with my shoes ripping, my T-shirt ripped, blood on my shirt. It was ridiculous. So my freshman year, I walk into the gym, and it's super packed. Like, I'm telling you, I would be like, yo, I got next. Somebody would be like, nah, I got next. It was like a whole line of next. You know, you have to wait like six, seven next. And then once I get on the court, back to the racist comment that Ralph had, uh, I had my temper on. He's like, where's your carpet? I was like, yo, who the hell is this guy? You know, I gave <laughs> yeah, him like, who the fuck yeah, are you I, I gave him that look. I was like, yo, hold up. <laughs> who the fuck are you, you know? And then once we started running, we had random fives together. You know, we didn't have no chemistry. And then once I saw you guys play, I was like, damn, these guys play at a different pace. Uh, Ralph just tossing the ball to Tab, Tab throwing it back to Steve. My first time playing against you guys, I had to guard Steve. Oh. And that man was just launching it, my hand in his face. Most deceptive you know, I was fouling him. He's still hitting it. This man was shooting from half court and making it. This guy was wild. 
I will never forget Steve. He was doing you know? that before we knew who Steph Curry was. Steph Curry came to the scene when he after. MSG when he had the fifty four points. But before right. that, all we knew about shooting was Steve. Steve yeah. <laughs> you and know? then I remember Ralph. The way I remember Ralph is Ralph's passes. Ralph would get the ball. He would just push the pace, push the pace, push the pace. He wouldn't even let the defense set. He would just be running up and down. And I was like, holy moly, these guys really have chemistry together. And that's how I recognize you, Ralph. I was like, this guy could pass. He knows what he's doing. Because most of the guys in the rec, they were just doing iso ball. They would get the ball, do their thing, you know, do crossover, step back, some retarded stuff. But when you guys were playing, it was actually IQ basketball. You guys were moving the ball around. You know, everybody was getting open looks. That's how basketball is fun, you know? But when I saw you guys play, that's that's when I knew, like, you guys had a bond together. Oh, no one's keeping stats in the rec. No, it's not you stats. Know, no, no, I'm just saying, yeah. like, I'm saying, like, why would we even care about doing those step backs? What are we doing it for? Right, right. If we're go trying to win every time, I don't give a damn, like, if I, if I touch the ball or not. Yeah. If the ball was moving, like, no tomorrow. I would leave Ralph open. I would be like, yo, let him shoot, let him shoot, let him shoot. And Ralph would just do some funny stuff and just pass the ball to an open guy and they would make it. You know, I'm like, yo, let no, this man he, he shot when he needed to. He, he, he needed like, to, right. If he knew I was tired or Steve was tired, because like I said, we're playing. Yeah, I had it in me. Nine games I had it in, in me. Yeah. I think well, I think that was probably the most back-breaking situation, too. Like, damn, even Ralph is scoring, man. Now yeah. you know you're That's, in trouble. That, that part right there. You know, <laughs> it, it was really good times in the rec, man. Yeah, it was, got man. Last shot. He usually got, we played a 16, right? He, yeah. the, if it was 15... You know, I, everyone's like clamping on me, Steve or Dan, whoever. Uh, Ralph usually got the last point by doing something. Going yeah, to man. Listen, it's uh, it was it was a pleasure to play with both of you. I'll say that. Um, you know, I miss those times. Um, I don't even know how I could frame this question. I wanted to ask Nav, um, how surprised were you from knowing that whole context? And then you see me refereeing a basketball game. The person that talks the shit the most yeah. is the ref now. So I had a I had an afternoon basketball game. This was like I think like around twelve or between twelve and two. That's the time frame. I walk into the basketball court. I, I see all my boys. You know, SABL is family. So as soon as you walk in, you see all these people, and I see the back of Ralph. I was like, holy shit, that looks like Ralph, but I'm not sure if that's Ralph. And then once I saw you turn around, I was like, holy shit, that's my boy. You know, we went to Hasha together. I, I, I was jumping in the air. I was like, yo, that's my boy, man. He's reffing. And I told my boys, too, they're like, oh, you know this guy? He's a ref. When he's reffing, though, he's not your boy. So Yeah, he's definitely not. He, I still talk. Nah, he calls fouls like no tomorrow on my ass. I, um, but anyways, back to, you know, when I first saw you reffing, I was like, holy shit, that's Ralph. That's my boy. And then I texted Tab. I was like, yo, Tab, you know Ralph reps, right? And he's like, nah, man, I, I didn't know. That's when we saw you on the scene. I was like, yo, you started rapping. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to do this, this, and that. You know, you gave me ideas. I was like, yo, good stuff, man. I was actually very happy for you, you know, seeing you on the court. I saw you after so many years. I know, I know. And it's, it's, I was very happy, man. It's like you couldn't really, you knew that your basketball playing was kind of going, you know, you're pretty much done with, right? Playing basketball. And then you're like, you know, if I still, you still like the game, then let me pick up rapping. He he still has love for it, you know? I mean, I remember the first, I, I only heard that he was doing SABL. I think the one game he refed me in was in sick games. Yeah. And I was so out of shape, but... Now, you I actually hit the buzzer I, beater I, when I he was the, refing the you game. Were, you were there, right? Yeah, I was yeah, there. That game was bank, crazy. He yeah. had a bank buzzer beater. <laughs> I, was I was trying like, to tell this, this this kid is special. I was trying to tell everyone. Yeah. No, they, the, the, the teams, they're all, all those guys were new. I didn't really know anybody. So no one really was trying to pick me up like that. Yeah. And um, I, was, I just told the guys, I was like, you guys, listen, like, if you just put me in the game, if you just want me to play defense, I'll do it. I'll play hard. I'm going to give 110% regardless. 
Just let me play. I'm sad that the footage of that is like super pixelated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember. <laughs> I no, there's multiple views of it though. There's, there's a lot no, of when recording. I hit that though, I remember because Ralph was looking up at the timer. You know, our, our, somebody grabbed the rebound, kicked it out to me. I shot it and I see Ralph because I, I was looking for Ralph for his like, damn, like, okay, you know, I know who this is. I expected this from him, right? So I was looking at him because I don't know why I wanted your... How do, I, how do I say this? Reaction. Like, uh, reaction. Mm. Like, I didn't really care about anybody else. I was like, I looked over at Ralph, and he was just so busy looking at the thing. I was like, all right, dude, whatever. Yeah, I'm reffing, man. Yeah. But that's crazy. I mean, the one thing that I want to say, though, is um, it was kind of a shock that, you know, that you were reffing and stuff like that. But obviously, now you have a podcast. You're really into it. Now, my question for you is, from a reffing standpoint, right, you have a lot of refs that probably never played basketball, right? You deal with some of those guys. There's guys that have played basketball. How has playing basketball affected your view on, on, um, on, on refing? And, and what I mean by that is you used to talk a lot of shit, you know? Now when you're refing, you can't really have people go out of talking too much shit because then it's going to start a fight. Mm-hmm. So do you, are you more lenient in giving out technicals? Are you more, you know, okay, I know, I know what they're going through. Let me take them to the side, like consoling a player. Like how do you approach basketball, uh, refing? As someone who's played and who's been the person that should be getting technicals in games. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph, if I was a ref, I would give you a tech every, every single every time. Are you, are you going to ref? I know we were talking yeah, about it before. I, I think I'm going to look into it. Those are one of the things I put on my agenda. Would you ever ref? I, I would. And I'm actually, we'll talk about this later. I'm, I'm, uh, there's kids at the Y that I'm teaching how to play. And you know the like president that. of IABO, which is like the governing body of the world, lives in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And I know him. Why did you, why did you tell me? I didn't know that you wanted a ref. I mean, I probably know him, though. Then I mean, I, there's kids that I go at the Y, and I, I help like teach them. Eh, he's always that spooky nook. Yeah, send me a picture of this guy. I mean, Carlisle's right, not a small... You're, sm- you're, making a, it, you're making it sound nah. like it's a, like a hit job. <laughs> nah. All right, to answer your question, um, I can distinctly remember about two years ago, I was doing this adult league game, and... I was with a Division II men's basketball referee, and I'm a collegiate women's ref. So we have different perspectives. Uh, we come from the same place, but, you know, he's a very successful referee. Um, and I remember we were just talking about things, and he's very sharp with the rules. I'm very sharp with the intuitive feel of a game, right? So we're playing this team, and they're kind of like nationally ranked. They played at Lifetime, and they always win championships wherever they go. And they're really rough. And, you know, they talk a lot. I think. I'd say within two minutes of the first quarter, my partner calls a technical foul. He's like, that's enough. I don't want to hear it anymore. Did he play basketball growing up? So after the first time out, I went up to him. I was like, yo, what was that about, dog? And he was like, I just, I, I can't, I can't, to- I don't tolerate that. And I'm like, you know, we're not reffing a college game, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's when it started crystallizing in my brain of like the advantage that I have of playing such a butcher ball because I really know what it is takes to like really fat and Nav knows <laughs> I'm a I'm a butch I'm a butch when we play but I know it's so intimately of things that people can get away with people that can't get away with things that it helps me to my advantage but going back to when you guys first started Hofstra University around the same time I started ref and flag football now I remember was, that you used to yeah, take me, right, used right, to take right. me with you. what was interesting about those flag football games though was that they were rough like the the, the basketball games that we play and I think what, what really separated me from other referees was that I was able to have conversations with them. Yeah. I'm like, bro, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's not do that. That's, that's illegal. Now, within means, right? So to me, I always look at games as 
running the game versus choking the game because, you know, I could be a SABL and I could just keep calling fouls, but Nav knows. I always tell him like, yo, that's illegal, man. Yeah. You got to stop doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to give him a chance. I'm, I'm not, it's not like I call the foul immediately. I'm like, you know, I had to call that because you're doing something illegal. So to answer your question, I think the cheat code for me has been that I've been able to play rec ball at a high level. I understand what that's like. I also know what, what it's like to play in a school game. So, for me, it's a pleasure to watch, and, and I was just talking about this the other day, the kids that are freshmen in college now. So there's one kid, Corbello, in Illinois. There's another kid, R.J. Davis, in North Carolina. I've ref these kids. Cole Anthony, I've ref him when he was in eighth grade. Like To see them at the next level, it's like amazing to see because yeah. some of those little advices that you you said to them on the court, it translates. They translate them to the next level. So for me... I really think that, you know, playing is is one thing, and I think it's just like a small slice of time because, as you guys know, you know, Hofstra University at the time when you guys were freshmen, that was like, it's like you guys won the lottery, you know? that You weren't expecting that to happen, no. right? So we were all there. And I, see, me, I always knew the finality of it. I always knew that Steve one day would graduate. I would always know that you guys would graduate. So I knew that it was only a small sense of time because I've been around Hofstra University for so long. Never was like that. So I always knew that there was going to be an end to it. And that's when I ended and I decided to do, you know, not coaching because I think coaching is coming from a place of like, especially when you first start, you're like, why can't you do this? I could do this until you start getting better at it. And playing, you know how it is when you get get older. I mean, you guys are in your mid-20s and you're trying to squeeze in time to play basketball. And it's rough because... You're not playing rec ball every day or at least four times a week. So when you play once a week, you're like, damn, I need to get in shape. But it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't, com- time? It doesn't yeah. command this. And we had that conversation. Yeah, you're like, I no. I remember he's like, no, yeah. I'm going to always find time. I'm like, you ain't not going to. I'm telling no, you, man. you're not going to find time. I, I, I think it's two things. That, sorry to cut you off. No. The two things I want to say is, is um, first thing from a refing perspective, I think people need to understand is that it's more than just basketball. It's understanding personalities. And that's like the biggest thing. I mean, that's the biggest advantage you probably have over a lot of people because you've played with young people. You know, you can understand. You, before getting on the court, like, okay, I know for a fact I can get in his head. <laughs> you know? I know for a fact he's going to be the one that's shooting all the jump shots. I know. You, you see him in warm-ups. You're, you're probably standing and you can understand a team and who the star player oh, is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and who, the coach, too. Exactly. And, yeah. So, I remember one time I was in Brooklyn at Nazareth and I was talking to the kids that were doing the book. And I was like, I went up to them. I'm like, who y'all like better? Gonna a little baby. They're like, oh, damn, this ref is lit. How he know that? And I'm yeah. like, because my firmware is updated. I just walked away. Yeah. But then I went back to my game. But yeah, that's that's completely true. Um, but I did want to say, and, and this is probably just a, a public service announcement for everybody. Um, I definitely think that both of you guys can ref. Because think about it this way. Imagine if I said that you could extend your playing career forever. And you're on the court the whole time. You never get subbed. And you work your mind, and you still get some exercise, and on top of that, you get paid for it. Right? Why wouldn't you do it? Thing is, the the thing is, Ralph, is that even when we're playing basketball, we're we're very similar. I'm not I'm personalities. I'm kind of weird. I know that, but very similar. You've given me the blueprint. You know, when we play basketball, and when you first started refing, you 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 gave out the blueprint to a lot of people. People don't really reach out. They're not like, oh, I'm a ref. Yeah, figure it out. Go online. Go do this. Do this. This. You send me article, but not just articles. You tell me, come watch me. Look where I'm standing. Look what I'm doing. So you've given the blueprint to a lot of people. I know Sandeep, Sandeep as well, 
um, uh, the tall skinny guy yeah. that's CBL. He's you plays know, on the he, Panthers. He talks about. Yeah. He's like, how do you know? How do you know uh, to, uh, Ralph? I'm like, bro, we go way back. Safi refs as well. Yeah. So you've given the blueprint for people mm-hmm. to succeed. You're like, okay, this is what it takes to do this. Are you up for it? Like, that's the first question you always ask before you waste your, you, you don't want to waste your time. Like, Tab, are you up for this? Like, uh, not yet. All right. When you are, come back to me because I'm, I'm too busy. I don't, I don't waste my time, right? So. I don't say it like that. Damn. No, no, I mean. like I'm rough. No, no, but you're busy. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So are you. So, so you've given us the, blue, the blueprint to a lot of young people that, hey, if you want to do it, come to me first. I will teach you exactly what you need to do, you know, what you need to get. What you what exam you need to pass, you know? So, um, that that's what's it's so appreciative. And like you said, I remember we we're sitting in your car. We we're bumping some '90s pop. I don't know, Aaliyah, whoever it is. You're trying to put me on, and you know, you ain't like it, right? Uh, nah, nah, <laughs> um, I grew up on Drake, Lil Wayne, and then I'm hearing yeah. this soft stuff. Is different. I mean, Drake is soft, but um, you told me, like Tab, you do realize what you're doing right now is not going to last. I kept be- rebuttal after rebuttal. Like, nah, I'm going to play till um, for the rest of my life, right? It wasn't until I went back home. I was still trying to play. I'd come, like, every weekend in New York from Pennsylvania to play in tournaments and stuff like that. And then I, after a while, just gradually looking at myself in the mirror, I'm like, damn, I got a gut now. Like, and then I was like, okay, let me try to see if there's some leagues. Oh, there aren't. I'm just too damn busy. I completely stopped. And I went through depression. Like, I was like, I was so depressed. That I'm going to Leesburg in Virginia. I went to the LA Fitness. No one's picking me up because they see this little chubby guy. You know what I mean? And then I got back, I got back in shape. But then I realized, listen, it's not gonna, it's not gonna last. You know, playing is not gonna last. But refereeing and stuff like that, it, the IQ is always gonna be with you. Your body might give up on you, but your IQ is always gonna be with you. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. if if if, refer, if refereeing is what the next step is. Then I should accept it 100% and just do it. <laughs> I'm saying you can get a lot further. And I'll just say for when, when I ref the, when, when I played with you guys, um, when I was in my early, th- I wasn't even the best version of my, I mean, I was the best version IQ wise, but physically I wasn't in the best the way I was. And, and I wish I could marry those two, my IQ. Oh, Jeff, Jeff just walked in the building. Yo, what up? Oh, what up, Jeff? Yeah, y'all got to get some more white clothes too, man. This is not enough. How are you? Uh, but we'll talk. What up, Doug? Um, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I was saying that, um, you know, I, I, I think that with, with refing, I I realized that, wow, I could, I'm, I'm on the court with division one athletes. Like I've gotten a lot further on the court than I ever have in my life. Like I never was the star. Like you see these guys, young bucks, like the best shape of their life and just, maximizing their effort it's probably a blessing to just watch people it's, like that yeah it's crazy it's crazy but also at the same time you realize how young they are right? right so like you'll see somebody i remember um last year i was i was reffing somebody that was nasty ranked on the on the girl side and she's very much a kid you know but when she goes on the court she's a killer like killer she has the world in a palm she could go to any school that she wants to and it's crazy to just see that and how they treat it because i think also at the same time as much as we were talking about earlier, how social media could be a hindrance, it could also be a positive thing because you could realize like what you shouldn't do from other people All and right. how you can get better exposure. But um, that's good that both of you guys will consider ref. And I know Nav, I'll be able to help you because you're going to be mm-hmm. on a local end. Um, final couple of questions that I had for you guys. If you can tab, what, what was your most sticky situation that you've ever had playing basketball? Sticky? Yeah. Um, so y- besides your- breaking up my, my fights. 
Nah, I mean, it's you rubbing off on me and getting in a fight with somebody. Uh, remember Chris Ramos? How could I forget? Um, probably the most gifted player that was there. You know what I mean? The, I he, love guarding him. Bro, him and- He's like, why, why this guy can guard me? Nah, he, yeah, you used to guard him. Um, I would have to take turns. We'd take turns guarding him, you know, because you can get in his head, but he was just so gifted. He was good. He, he was good. And, and another guy, Kashim. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he hit me so hard. I got, I had a ball in my thigh that I had to roll out. Like, he was, he was, you remember Kashim, right? Did what you end Kashim? up being cool with him or not cool with him? Cool. We talk to each other on Instagram. Like, we message each other all the time. Like, Tab, how you doing? Where does he live? I, uh, he's in New York somewhere. He is. Um, but, dude, he, off the court, he's, a, he's a, a dope guy. But I've never seen somebody just smack a ball and deflate that shit. Like, yeah. Boom. Nah, it's my e- ball. Evil Ray Allen. <laughs> but I think the thing was um, um, when me and Ramos almost got into it. And um, there was an Asian guy on our team. You know, he's playing basketball. You know, certain things are said. I was like, yo, Chris, you don't say that. You know, he's making whatever noises and stuff like that. And um, I ended up saying something that was inappropriate. And um, after I said that, he, um, he, he's like, yo, he ran after me. He was about to swing. And then Big Steve, you know, got in the way. And he had me in one arm and had Chris like this. Right. And then Chris came after me in the locker room and like slammed me against the locker. He's like, say that shit again. <laughs> right. I was like, bro, it's in the basketball game. It's not a big deal. This, this, and this. Relax. You know, he didn't think anybody was in there. And then somebody pulled out of the shower and he let go. Um, but yeah, we got in it. And, and, but the next day, we'll go play basketball. Chris, like, yo, what up, Tab? What up? Boom. Squashed it. You know, it's basketball. It's not a big deal. But it's you rubbing off on me and me talking shit. Cause what I said to him, I can't really repeat on the podcast. I don't know if he's going to hear this, um, but yeah, it was pretty bad. And he, he almost fucked me up. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie to you. But yeah, I mean, just having that tendency, the the um, wanted to just talk back to somebody, it was a great feeling. I mean, I don't do it much, you know, but like you rubbed off on me on that sense. And I'm that sorry. Point. No, it's good. It's fine. Yeah. Talking shit's fine. About yeah. You. I've listened. I've, it's part of the game, man. Yeah. I mean, listen, when... When you see me, and, and I always say this too, I'm like, man, I don't want to get to know you because I want to continue to talk. <laughs> yeah, no. I used to hate when I got to know people because I'm like, damn, I got to be nice now because yeah. that's my my general being of being nice. You know what I'm saying? What What's your most sticky situation that you've ever had now? Sticky situation? Yeah. To be honest, I haven't had many sticky situations. When I play ball, it's, I come off very friendly, you know? Uh, I'm a nice guy on the court. I try Through basketball, I try to like meet new yeah. people. So it's not like I'm there. I mean, if somebody's soaking shit, yeah, I'll go at him. But I want to go out of my He'd way. He'd always look him. out for me. We played yeah. so many tournaments. I just randomly talk shit. Because I used to think I was a hot shit after Hofstra, right? Yeah. Oh, you don't think that anymore? No, nah, I don't. He but he would down. always like, I think I always relax. told you that, it's though. Fine. No? It's just tab, huh? Didn't I always tell you that, that you ain't nothing? <laughs> yeah. I try to tell you, if I if I feel like I'm nothing, then what are you? Yeah, no. Yeah. Now, there's been multiple uh, occasions where tab has, has gotten into you know, a heated argument or, you know, fights with people and I have to step in. I'm never that guy that'll be like, yo, I'm going to fight you, you know, because you said this on the court. You know, at the end of the day, it's a competitive game. You know, a lot of things are said, but... And Nubs is a nice guy, man. Yeah. Nubs a nice guy. At the end of the day, I I, I feel like people don't mean what what they say on the court. I mean, if they do, we could take it outside. (laughs) Well, I definitely don't mean anything. At at the end of the day, it's all love, you know? So I haven't had any sticky situations. I did have one in SABL where I got suspended for one day. One game. One game, yeah. Uh, The kid actually said something about one of my boy's family members, and it just got to me. It rubbed me the wrong way. Was Cash there? Cash wasn't there. Oh. 
He got the WhatsApp message and was like, yeah, yeah, you're not playing anymore. Yeah, he's like, you're not playing anymore. I mean, you're suspended for one game. I actually swung at the kid because he oh, said well. something about his mom or something. While You don't say those things. Some things are off limits. Yeah, some things talk are definitely me. off limits. I mean, you talk talk about the game. You could yeah. say anything about the person, but don't go. I mean, <laughs> Ralph, you're looking the other way. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I just, I just love how you're, you're telling me that you're the nicest guy. And I have never swung at anybody. No, and but, I'm the crazy one. Uh, I don't nah, get into. Bro. I've never words. Words. Yeah. Words mean a lot more than actually fighting. I mean, if you say something and it gets to somebody, you don't know how yeah. the other person is. Nah, you're right. You're yeah. right. Remember that JC kid who who chased you around the court. I remember that, but whatever, we'll bring that up later. <laughs> like sat on you. Yeah, <laughs> man. And I was like, you remember when he was hitting me? I was like, that's it. <laughs> he got so mad. Uh, now, what is your best moment um, as a basketball player? Best moment was winning MVP in SABL. That was a good time. You know, I think that was my prime time, dropping like 20 and 10 division. Fire. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, in basketball, that was like the best time I had. We made it to the finals and we lost, unfortunately. But just competing at a good level was fun. Tab, what's your best moment? Yeah, when I, I, when I, I blocked Tab on the fast break layup. He's like, who the hell is this kid? My best moment, I'd say, is um, it wasn't Come, even that game winner. But nah, it was that game winner. Come no, on, no, man. No, it, wasn't, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't. It really wasn't. It was more, more had to do with um, people actually approached me to make videos um, to, for me playing at the rec. And you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was a, a, a video club or something. Casey, like whatever. She goes, yo, I see you playing all the time. You do very well with your friends. Is it okay? I still have that video. Yeah, she I got to see for that. for her, her communication class. Right, and it right. says Hofstra Rec Champion. Because I, I think we won three on threes, five on five. Bro, I'll be honest with you, it was it was pretty crazy. I was like, why are you approaching me? She goes, oh, no, I heard about you. There's pictures. She only recognized you because of the turban. She no, didn't recognize was, nobody. At that yeah. time, he was also trying to do, uh, you were doing Hofstra Rec Basketball Club. Some yeah, club. Oh, yeah, so I started up the, I was going to start up the club basketball team. Club basketball, yeah. Competing I didn't go too against well, other schools. I was the president. I was the accountant. I was doing everything. You Nobody get the wants funding. to delegate. When we delegate work, no one wants to be there. That shit's so annoying, but whatever. Um, but I think the best moment was when Justin Wright Foreman and all those guys came to play us. They came to the rec. These are D1 basketball players we're talking about. Justin Dejour. Wright's in the NBA. Yes. DeJour Bowie. Yeah, he's on Utah, no? Um, yeah. yeah. He's cool with Donovan Mitchell, which is crazy. You watch videos. I would hope that they're cool. They're on the same team. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> they, were, they came to play, and we played them. And I'm not shitting you. We actually won one of the games that we played against them. They're D1 basketball players. Like, Steve was on a roll, though. He couldn't miss. You know what I mean? But, I mean, they probably weren't taking it seriously. But for us, it was a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, they probably didn't want to get hurt, whatever. Yeah. We beat those guys. They're D1 basketball players. We're not talking about D3, you know, D2. We're talking about guys that are in the NBA. We played them. We beat them. And I still remember that day. I was like, oh, okay, it was, I went home all giggity and shit. Like I was like, oh, it's going to be good. Yo, it's fine. And people were like, oh, that was dope. I, I remember that, that time that um, I think Speedy was there. And you were like, hey, can I? Can you follow me on Twitter? I was like, who is this kid, <laughs> man? Stop doing that on yeah, the yeah, court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. While, while he was like backing me up. Don't ever do that again. I, yo, you don't realize one thing. He's in his 40s. But you don't realize how good you're not when you play against people that are very good. Mm-hmm. Bro, like. Turnaround jump shots, wet. He's in like, the NBA, man. What, do you, he what was, do you expect from him, bro? Well, he was, but the thing is, I, he does this my, for thing, a living. my thing was I love guarding people full court. He did it professionally, Tab. I understand that, but he's in his 40, 50 almost. Tab, was Tab he has head, like man. 30 years of muscle memory of playing basketball. 
Don't forget that. I guard him full court. The video is still there. And he crossed me over three times on freaking one play. Like, I've never seen somebody, like, cross me up like that where my knees are just, like, buckling. Like, it was crazy. And then I was like, yo, add me on Twitter. And he's like, I got you. After <laughs> well, I was like, dude, it's claim to fame. I'll tell you that I, I went to school with that young man. And um, when when he was on the basketball team, the place was rocking, man. It was unbelievable. Is there a reason they call him Speedy? Was he really that fast? Man, he was... He, he was I saw him at the rec when I was a sophomore. I was like, if they call him Speedy and he's on the same team with Allen Iverson, and if he's as close to as fast or faster than him, then I, I, I don't even know what I would say about myself. Because I was pretty fast, and he blew by me easy <laughs> every that time. first step, man. Yeah, man, oh it was crazy. Goodness. But listen, we are, uh, we're we're going to leave some more meat on the bone so that way we could have a part two with both of y'all. I thank yeah. you for your time. Any final words that you want to say before we part ways? I'll start with you now. Uh, just stay safe, you know, just keep practicing social distancing, take care of yourself, stay healthy. 2021's around the corner. Uh, let's make it a positive year, you know? Yeah, I mean, COVID is real. Yeah. And to everyone that's listening, um, please take care of yourselves. The vaccines are out and stuff, but just be careful. I mean, if, if not for your sake, for your family's sake, right. your parents' sake, people that are older. Um, and also, uh, I just want to say is thank you for having us, Ralph. Yeah, thank you, you know, Ralph. I mean, it was a pleasure. You have a lot of wisdom that you've shared over the years um so um refereeing is something that me and Nub, as we get older we realize basketball playing basketball is a uh it's not something we see doing too much in the foreseeable future but that's something that if we pick up refereeing we know exactly where to go so word appreciate it thank you for this appreciate thank you, you guys and uh let's, let's eat some lunch and uh get crunk <laughs> for for, <laughs> for tab singh and for nav singh this is ralph the ref this is the rant we are signing out peace